Well, hello, hello. Welcome to Orchid Bloom's podcast. Welcome back, bloomers. My name is Orchid Brown. I am your host with Orchid Bloom's podcast. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Orchid Eye Brown. Last week's episode, we talked about my journey with reset, my life and realigning. We are all in a reflection period where we are making decisions that benefit us, increase our happiness, and put us on the right path. This season, I am all about protecting my peace and my energy, which means I am not taking on any responsibility that isn't my own or any burdens and other people's life decisions (laughs) that has gone wrong. I am not available. I ended the last episode on emotions and how that has been a difficult process for me especially since that it is difficult for me to control it this year has been challenging when it comes to navigating and controlling or at least maintaining my emotions i knew it meant something was wrong the part that scared me the most was the anger Now I understand that my anger was trying to tell me something was wrong. Depending on what made me angry and where I get angry, it meant something about that situation was triggering me. Deep down, I knew why, but I was not in the mental state to change it. Once I could, I did make the appropriate changes. During that experience, I realized I did not have the emotional intelligence I thought I had. In certain situations, I was emotionally immature. So now I need to learn emotional intelligence again. I just forgot. Due to my nature or observant behavior, I tend to not say anything until I completely assess a situation or a person. I look at things that are out of my control and what is in my control. But I still take the time to decide what I will do about it eventually. I ask myself these questions depending on the situation or the person. Is it worth it or not? If it is worth it, how do I go about it? If it is not, how do I let go without causing shock or harm? The effects of shock cannot be controlled, but I would like to try and minimize the damage or effects until I am no longer there, of course. So for today's podcast episode, we are going to focus on emotional intelligence. I had promised in the last podcast episode that I need to dedicate an entire podcast episode to emotional intelligence because it is it is such an important aspect to our lives that it deserves a full podcast episode of talking about it. So emotional intelligence is the capacity to be aware of control and express one's emotions and to handle interpersonal relationships judiciously and empathetically. Control is the hard part that I am struggling with in my season. I can express my emotions, but when a person is neglecting your emotions or dismissing it, it does affect you. And for me, I start to lose empathy and become savage. You have to earn that savagery with me. It doesn't happen overnight. So re-educating myself on emotional intelligence 
was important to me or is important to me because it is a part of my reset journey. And so this podcast episode was presented. The five elements of emotional intelligence. Number one, self-awareness. So we're going to focus on each point and just talk about it a little bit. Self-awareness means to recognize and understand your emotions, what it is you are feeling and why. It is connected to your values and morals. You are aware of your weaknesses and strengths. Self-awareness is part of personal development. Now, before I continue with self-awareness, I wanted to touch on personal development. Personal development is something that's very important to me. Anything to do with self-awareness is important to me. But I also wanted to take this opportunity to talk about certain categories of personal development that you may not have known. So for personal development, the categories are self-awareness, self-knowledge, identity, talent, potential, human capital, quality of life, dreams, and aspirations. Self-awareness is at the top of personal development, and that is for good reason. Self-awareness is very important. Now we can continue with self-awareness. The characteristics of self-awareness starts with mindfulness, self-compassion, reflection, feedback. These are all based on intuition and good decision-making skills. And I understand that, you know, when we were young, especially in high school and we took career class and they taught us how to develop our resumes and, you know, try to get us to think about what we want to do for the rest of our lives. And, you know, good decisions was was something or good decision making was something that was crucial, especially if you are going into your first job that you've never had before and you are trying to convince the person at this job to hire you based on no experience this is something that you needed to talk about good decision making and while you're in there they're asking you give us an example of a a time when you showed good decision making skills and you had to come out of your ass trying to figure out how do you do that and kind of connect it to the workplace it's kind of the same thing good decision making is a part of emotional intelligence it's a part of self-awareness if you are aware of your core values and your morals and you are you know trusting your feeling and listening to your own voice and feeling sometimes is your intuition talking to you if you can develop all of these areas and truly listen to it and follow that instincts you will make good decisions you will have good decision making skills as a a 16 year old applying for her first job i didn't know that that's how i could have explained it it took me years of experience to kind of understand what good decision making skills truly meant it wasn't just you know if you're on the job is this this is what you're going to do no good decision making skills it's 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 all about your life you wake up in the morning that's a good decision um you you go to work and you arrive on time good decision you dedicate your time at work to completing your task that's a good decision you make sure that you go on lunch that's a good decision you also network and you talk to people that's a very good decision you also leave on time you get home that's a good decision you got home safely or you might decide that you want to go and shop for groceries that is still a good decision everything in life is about choice Every single thing that you do is based on a choice you have made, and that is a decision that you have to make. So good decision-making skills is something you do actively in your life every single day. 
every time your eyes are open, you're making a decision. Regardless if it's good or bad, you are still making a decision. And everyone has the capability of doing that. I feel I make good decisions. But when I'm bored and have the time, you know, you have time on your hands, I will make bad decisions. So now I know I need to be productive. This doesn't mean that I need to be working like a dog. It just means that I, I can still do good things for myself and still be productive. When I am bored, I still have to catch myself and refocus. Sometimes if I'm bored, I have negative thoughts or I go off and do something stupid or I make a bad decision for the moment, something that lasts for the moment. And so in, in that case, I need to now decide whenever I, I do that, catch myself, refocus and go, hey, go have some fun, go read a book, spend time with family, anything. Just make sure it's good decisions. And most times that's really not how our brain works, but you can train yourself, you can catch yourself. You're not a dog, but you might have to treat yourself like a dog and train yourself if you can't have discipline. It's just that simple, it sucks, but it's that simple. So the second on the list is self-regulation. Hmm. After emotional awareness, that's what self-awareness is, you need to learn to manage your emotions. Treating others with respect while being respected is hard and takes a lot of control. But if I don't express how I feel, I will make myself sick from the inside out. So having self-control is very important in my life. If you have a tendency to express or experience emotional outbursts, practice being calm with breathing exercises and choosing your peace, protecting your peace. I have made sure to consider my actions or my next moves when responding or confronted with a difficult situation. It does not mean I am not angry or annoyed, but I try to understand and keep myself personally accountable. And I mean, it sounds great what I'm saying, but sometimes being personally accountable is also venting to my friends and my family members and just telling them some of the shit that I'm dealing with. And then they listen and they go, damn, you know, they understand what that person's going through. But the part about that that was so important is the fact that I was releasing that negative energy from my body by speaking it out. And once I release it, usually, you know, my friends agree and my family members agree. And then I just kind of calm down and I make better decisions because I did not act in that moment. Most of the situations I have dealt with this year has been about boundaries. Finding a way to let people know that I can't take on their burdens or responsibilities. This year, I felt that with work because where I work, I happen to have a manager who is, she, how do I say this without dogging her out shit it's hard she is a very lazy person <laughs> i don't know how else to say it she's a mom of like two she's married her husband takes care of everything uh the only reason why she got a job is because her husband's like i'm not taking care of your credit cards anymore you need to start learning how to pay for all the lavish things that you like to spend on yourself so go get a job and so she got a job she worked there just to pay her credit card. She has two kids, but she just works there to pay for her, her credit card and buy designer clothes and designer shoes and do all her fun stuff, wear a shit ton of makeup. Anywho, she is, she is a, a, a nice person, but 
personally, outside of the workplace, I, I wouldn't have been friends with her. There was just something about her. I wouldn't have been friends with her. I cannot stand entitled people like that. And so, you know, when I started working there, she she started trying to to basically get me to do all her work for her. And this was her way, she called it delegating. And I'm really sick and tired of this excuse of delegating. You can delegate as long as you're working, but her problem was that she was always on her phone talking for hours on end, doing nothing at all and expecting others to do the work for her. Then she whines and she complains because she can do that at home with her husband and her husband allows it, he babies her. She's a baby in a family. But she still has to cook, clean, and take care of the kids because he wouldn't allow her to to just get away with being pampered and being loved by her husband. He's like, you need to work for a bitch. So that's what happened. And so she came to work. But while she's there, she got promoted. Um, I don't know why, I guess they were desperate. And she's just the type of person that she likes to delegate. She likes to delegate and do nothing at all, which of course pissed off every other employee, especially people who don't even work in that department because they see that she's not doing anything at all. They can hear her conversations from across the room in a different department and management won't talk to her about it because well, they, they promoted her because they, they needed her. Nobody else wanted the job, but she'll take it. She'll take the extra money and the bonus at the end of the year. And so it, it came to a point where, you know, I felt like I was being taken advantage of. So I just stopped doing it. She was like, oh, do this, do that, and do this. And I said, no, I will do this and I'll do that. But you're doing the rest. And she's like, what? I'm like, you need to start doing some work. I'm also not going to clean up after you. So you can't run out and go get your Starbucks for about an hour when, you're, when your lunch is only 30 minutes and bring your Starbucks back and only drink half of that grande and just kind of leave your snotty Kleenex everywhere, you know, certain tissue papers that you wipe your lipstick and your makeups everywhere and then you just leave your half drank um, Starbucks coffee and then expect people to walk around and clean up after you because you're you're a queen you're a princess so I said to her one day I'm like no I'm gonna do this and this and that you're going to do your job which is this and get it done and she's like oh my god why are you speaking to me like this anyways I don't want to drag out the story but she was one of those people that eventually, because I just stopped doing it, she started trying to emotionally guilt me into doing her job for her. She's like, oh, my God, I got to go home. I got to clean. I got to cook for my family. Uh, apparently, it's my fault. She has a family. <laughs> what does that have to do with me? Oh, my God, I'm so stressed. My my son dropped his iPhone in the toilet, and I have to go pick him up another one. I have to go pick up my daughter, and I have to take her to this fun place, and we're going to go shopping together. I'm just so stressed. And I was like, that's nice. Are you in tomorrow for another eight hours? She's like, yeah. I'm like, you can get your work done then if you need to leave early to go support your family. She's like, oh. <laughs> so every single time she would come to me with these these stories about what's happening at home and all this burden, and she's trying to like, throw it on my shoulders to try to pressure me into doing the work for her and feel pity for her i just didn't fall for it i said you know what you are getting paid to do work if you can't work then don't come in call in sick if you need a week to take care of your family then you should go and do that but if you're going to be here you need to focus and do your job and get off your fucking phone and she was like uh, uh, uh. but anywho so 
that was me putting my foot down and putting up boundaries because when I had the conversation with her in a polite way, she just kind of brushed it off. She kind of ignored it. And she kept doing it a couple of times to the point where I was like, okay, she is not going to understand when I'm speaking to her with respect. So now I have to disrespect her. And it sucks when people put you in that situation where you have to become the angry black woman for them to understand that what you're saying is valid. You better fucking do your damn job. So that is what I was struggling with because I was trying to go about it in a polite way and she just would not accept it. She just thought, I'm just going to brush it off. You're just going to do it anyways. And I said, oh, watch me. So it came to a point where I wasn't picking up her Starbucks uh, cup when she leaves it everywhere, her other coffee mug from this morning and her Kleenex that she, you know, she's cleaning her nose and lipsticks all over it and all of her makeup because she cakes the makeup on her face, cakes on, and she sprays a shit ton of cologne and perfume on. And I understood why she farts a lot. So if I'm not in the department, I can literally hear her fart echo through the building to the other side. And we're all standing there like, what the hell just happened? But she's extremely gassy. So she wears a lot of perfume to try to cover up the smell. And I, and I don't like being in the, the department with her because it smells like fart. Like, go to the doctor and get your shit fixed. Something is wrong. <laughs> you can't keep farting your way. I mean, she wears designer clothes. She looks so good. And when she smiles, I mean, all the guys think she's so hot, even the ones that work with us. And she just farts all the time. And I'm like, how are guys are different. Y'all are different. Because a woman can hear you fart from the next room. But when a girl farts like that around people where everyone can hear, you guys will still hit it just because she's hot. Y'all are special. I'm just saying. But anywho, the point that I'm trying to make here is that with bringing up burdening, she's using the burdens of her family as if I am a part of her family, that I am you know, taking care of her home, her husband and her kids. And she wants to burden me that burden me with all of that just so I can feel guilty for her and do all her work for her so she can sit there farting up a storm on her phone, talking to her mom and all of that and talking to her friends and all of that. And it's just, ugh. but anywho, that was a frustrating situation that I was dealing with for months. I was dealing with that for months to the point where it just aggravated me. I, I became an angry person. She did not see me smile not once. And she knew when she didn't see that smile on my face, she ain't getting shit. But anywho, I understand that I look like a helpful person. And people always mistake that. Even guys who come up to me in the street because they see me walking to my car and I'm busy. Like when I walk, I'm a power walking to where I need to go. And they'll stop me out of every, just out of nowhere. And they're like, oh my God, I need some help. And I said, okay, do you need me to point you in a direction? And they're like, no, I just need someone to like talk to me about my, what's going on with me and my girlfriend. And I'm like, uh-huh, I, I have to go. And they're like, oh, but you seem so innocent and helpful. Like I thought you'd be able to help me. And I'm like, no, I can't help you. I don't even know who the hell you are, but thank you. And then I just walk away. People just automatically assume that I'm a helpful person. And yes, I am a helpful person, but there comes a point when you keep asking and now it's clear you're just taking advantage of someone's kindness. When someone is trying to help you out because something is happening in your life, accept it. But you also have to understand that there's a limit. If you are still having that issue months 
months go by months go by you're still having that issue and you're still using that excuse it's just an excuse and that is what i was getting from her because she's going out to parties with her husband they're traveling to you know they go to toronto and back and her kids are doing really well and you know their their home is kept i mean if she can fart that much it means they're eating very healthy food so she's just trying to make it seem as though her life is is so bad because oh my god i'm not paying any bills but it's so stressful that's great i'm paying my own bills and i don't feel like coming in and doing the job of two three people just so you can sit on your ass and fart it's just not me so i had to make it clear that this service is no longer available it was very challenging for me just because i kept repeating it over and over and over again for months it was very challenging especially when the person would not respect my boundaries now that we've finished that point thank you so much for listening and allowing me to vent i hope the story was entertaining um the next point number three is motivation motivation is about your device to improve and achieve which means to set a high standard for yourself and work working consistently towards your goal Take initiative, act on opportunities when they arise and be ready, as well as be assertive. Being motivated means being optimistic and resilient. There are positive in any situation, even the ones that can be disappointing. And this is something that it took me a while to learn. And I'm referring to not motivation specifically, but being positive in any situations. Because I do become negative when something doesn't go according to my plan. I'm a very hard worker. I like when things work out, especially things that are in my control. But when it regard when it's in regards to people, most times it's it never goes your way. <laughs> you never know what they're thinking and what they're going to do. And so I can get a bit disappointed. But I'm learning how to shake out of that feeling as quickly as I can just kind of making sure that I don't stay in that negative feeling and thought for too long to just just transition out of it in a nice and slow way where I'm not shocking my mind and my body into to feeling something even worse after trying to get out of that situation but with motivation I feel that everyone has a motivation in their lives if it's a motivation to be better a motivation to achieve their goals what what I find is an issue when it comes to motivation is that sometimes motivation don't last too long. You only have motivation for a specific amount of time of the day, sometimes a week, sometimes a month. It really depends on what is going on with you mentally, physically, and emotionally. And so what I found that was helpful when it comes to motivation is discipline. And discipline requires practice. So even if I don't feel motivated, I still do it. And that I found was quite helpful. And it's almost like I trained myself into doing what I need to do when I need to do it so that I can just get it out of the way and it doesn't fall off. And when the motivation does come back, like a regeneration, then I just go at it again. But at this point, it's already um, it's already in practice. It's already become a habit. So that's the positive to you know creating discipline through practice. So number four on the list is empathy. Empathy is the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes to see a situation from their perspective. This can be dangerous because you could end up taking on their burdens. 
as I mentioned before, especially if you don't have personal boundaries. And that's very important and we're going to get into that. Boundaries go both ways. You cannot create boundaries for others, but you don't have one for yourself. You need to have your own boundaries so you can stay in your lane in certain situations that is none of your business. Empathy can sometimes blur the lines. You will find yourself lowering those boundaries you put up by trying to be there for other people or that specific person that is important to you. Empathy means you have an awareness of others' feelings and you can acknowledge it and respond to them. It is the right thing to do, but you have dropped your boundaries by doing so. You can disagree with someone, but, re- but respect them. You can respect their experience and knowledge. Communication is vital in empathy. Paying attention to words being exchanged, whether verbal or through body language, Empathy is a great thing, but it needs to be monitored. Let's move into number five before I go back to boundaries. Uh, Social skills. Everyone has a basic amount of social skills. Some people are better at it than others. I am good at it when I want to be because I am an introvert. (laughs) But if you ask anyone that knows me, they assume that I'm an extrovert. I'm really not. I just know how to turn it on. It's like a it's like a light switch. Being a people person is like a switch. I just turn it on and I just turn it off. Some people just always have it on all the time. They're just people person. Before they go to bed, they're a people person. When they wake up in the morning, they're a people person. It's it's sick. But I'm I'm very happy for them. But because I had practice in turning it on and off, especially with certain jobs, if you've worked in customer service, you know what I mean. You know how to turn it on when you go to work. You don't feel like working. You can't stand the customer that's in front of you, but you know how to turn it on. So I've had practice, especially since I've been in customer service for years. And so I now know how to turn it on and turn it off. So a lot of people see me in a social setting and they just believe that I'm an extrovert, but I'm really not. I am an introverted person. I just know how to turn it on and off. Not everyone can do that. People, person can be trustworthy team players um, and confident communicators, as good at listening to other people as they are at speaking themselves. These people are good leaders. They inspire others and motivate colleagues as well as those around them. Please do not confuse them with people pleasers. There's a difference. People persons do not have an agenda. They manage change and resolve conflicts effectively and give praise where it's due. I know I brought up people pleasers and I'm not really planning on getting into an in-depth conversation about people pleasers. But for me personally, I have met a lot of people pleasers And by the end of the conversation or interaction with them, I always walked away just not trusting them. People pleasers, I find, do not have any boundaries. I find that they have no real self-control. And even though they want to be your hero and they want to be there for you, they don't have boundaries. They will always overstep their boundaries trying to do too much. And I also don't find people pleasers to be trustworthy. So I'm not saying that all people pleasers are bad. You might have had a great experience with people pleasers, but unfortunately for me, I did not. 
And so I cannot change that. <laughs> but I will not give people pleaser any more of my moments on this podcast episode because I wish I could tell you positive things about actually no I can tell you a positive thing about a people pleasers they are fun they are always ready to have fun all the time but people pleasers are just not honest and sometimes I find them quite deceitful even though they're telling you a white lie to spare your feelings you find that the lying just keeps going until you start to wonder who they are they're people pleasers they just mold and fit into whatever they think you want them to be in that moment to get what they want and that is the reason why i don't like people pleasers i cannot stand chameleons i've never met someone that can shape shift in a real life but they would be very close to a people pleaser and so this is why i wanted to make sure that you understand please do not confuse people person with people pleasers so now after reviewing all five elements i feel that i have emotional intelligence it took me years to realize that i needed boundaries and this is the reason why i felt like i didn't have emotional intelligence for the past year because of the emotions that I was feeling and how I was reacting. I knew that my reaction was based on somebody neglecting my feelings and not listening to understand and dismissing what I was saying to the point that I snapped. Now, I feel that having emotional intelligence mean that you wouldn't snap, but it's not true. <laughs> Sometimes people just rub you the wrong way. And I felt that that outburst was necessary because I really needed change and I needed the change to happen now because I've given you plenty of time to get it together. Boundaries are used these days in relationships and friendships with the opposite sex, with your friends and with your family. Boundaries are useful when you are feeling triggered or emotionally drained, but no one talks about the boundaries we need to set for ourselves. And this is something that I touched on in empathy. Sometimes empathy, you know, allows you to lower those those boundaries that you have created to try to be there for that person, not realizing that you might have overstepped a boundary, a line that you drew in the sand to say, no, we can't keep doing this. You need to find a medium. And it's very difficult when you are an empathetic person. No one talks about the boundaries we need to set for ourselves. I'm repeating that again because I really want you to understand. Boundaries for yourself, not boundaries with others, but for you. The boundaries that you need to set for you. We can create boundaries with others, but we are the ones that break them. We lack discipline in areas we aren't used to, especially when you are creating boundaries for yourself, not others, but for yourself. We're not going to know how to discipline ourselves to stick to it we've never done it before we've only created boundaries for other people to protect ourselves maybe our trauma or or something or our emotions but at the end of the day we have never created boundaries for ourselves and actually stuck to it because we we've never had to we've never we didn't think we had to everyone else is expected to respect your boundaries so you need to respect your own I find empathy is where my boundaries with others becomes blurred. 
most people understand that they don't need to overstep your boundaries because you can't maintain it. You will eventually break your own rules (laughs) and it will be your fault that your boundaries with that person did not work out. There are so many situations where I set boundaries and then I undid them. The only person I had to be upset at was me. I needed my own boundaries on top of boundaries that I had set. Do you know how crazy that is? It is so much work. I now have to keep myself accountable. It takes a lot of growth to come to that realization, to be completely honest with yourself and realize that you are the problem and need boundaries put on you. Your empathy needs boundaries too. Now that I have focused on talking about the boundaries that we need to set for ourselves, not just other people, now I would like to present a list of signs that you are emotionally mature. Because even though I went through the five elements, it doesn't necessarily mean that you connect with all of them. And so this list is going to be a little bit easier to identify if you have emotional maturity. Number one, you accept yourself completely. You feel comfortable being alone. Number three, you see or you can see the good in others. Because honestly, if you don't see the good in others, it means that you really don't like people. And I really have to see the good in others to be around them. I just, I can't be around you if I, if I don't see the good in you. It, it just doesn't, it won't work. Number four, you can articulate your feelings to others. Number five, you know what you want. Number six, you are honest with yourself and others. If you do all of these things on the list, you are emotionally mature. These are not achieved overnight. Thank God I am an overthinker because this process would have taken me a whole lifetime to complete and it sucks being on your deathbed and all of a sudden you accept yourself completely. Are you kidding me? You should have done that a long time ago. You've just wasted your life trying to love yourself, an entire life trying to love yourself. That's crazy. It's just crazy. I am proud to say I am emotionally mature. Thank God. (laughs) Again, thank God. God, in the previous podcast episode reset, I expressed that emotions are the areas that I struggle in. What I really struggle with is my anger. You can be emotionally mature and struggle with anger. Having anger is seen as a negative because it's aggressive. We say hurtful things. Anger is used to hurt others and ourselves. We feel ashamed about it when we, f- when we express our anger. And honestly, for the entire year, I felt ashamed about it, but it kept coming up. So what's going on? Especially when we are experiencing it, anger is not seen as a benefit to us, which is why I was struggling emotionally with controlling it. I was trying to suppress it, but it came back full force. And I was like, what is going on? Something is wrong. Suppressing it just made it worse. Rather than addressing what my anger was trying to teach me or help me with, I I just suppressed it and did not take the time to be quiet and listen to myself, listen to my own voice. Anger is misunderstood. If we just took the time to understand ourselves, our triggers, and what is most important to us based on that anger can be 
healthy. With anger, you learn your boundaries. Anger reveals a person's true intentions towards you. You wouldn't be triggered if they were pure. <laughs> and that it took me so long to realize that my anger was just trying to tell me something. I just thought I was being crazy, but I really wasn't crazy. It's just deep down, my intuition was trying to say, look, this person is not good for you. This person is not right. They are taking advantage. They are mistreating you and you're letting it pass. And honestly, maybe I was letting it go because my trauma response would just be to accept the situation because that's what happens when you when you grow up being silenced and making it people making it seem as though you and what you're feeling is not valid you sent you you tend to suppress it but now that I'm an adult and I know what those people were doing to me as a child was wrong I won't tolerate it now but in this moment because I was going through so much all at once I couldn't necessarily process everything and due to that, what happened? I just started suppressing it. So then my, my intuition was like, if you're not going to listen to me, I'm just going to trigger you. So guess what happened? I got triggered and I had outbursts. And it took me a while to realize I was angry at this person or these people because their intentions were not pure and I wasn't paying attention. Anger is your mind, body, and soul telling you to transform, evolve, from the situation grow from this situation from this moment pay attention be self-aware we need to make some changes we are uncomfortable something isn't working so we need to begin the change within our lives now it's not a struggle for me because i have identified the source of my anger I am actively working on the areas of my life that requires change, desperate and immediate change. And sometimes we are living our lives every single day, not realizing that what we're feeling, that discomfort, it's, it's telling you it's time to transform. It's time to change. It's time to realign. You need to get out of that situation. You need to protect your peace. You need to protect your energy. And at the moment, or not the moment, but for, for this long period of time, you just didn't see it. It's not that you were blind. It was just that it wasn't really a priority because you had accepted that this is a situation because that person has made it seem as though this is a situation and that's it, that's all. And when I mentioned the story earlier from the workplace and that manager, at some point I started to accept that this is who she is and this is her behavior, and I just continued to allow it until I just said, you know what, I'm sick and tired of coming into work pissed off because I have to see your fart ass all day, smiling at me going, oh, I'm going through so much, poor me, woo, can you do this, can you do that, can you do that, can you do that, and she just stands there on the phone farting up a storm, but anywho, until just, you know, one day, I just walked in, no smile on my face, and I was like, nope, this is gonna change, I ain't doing shit, I ain't doing shit until you do something. If you're not going to do any work, I'm not going to do any work. And if the boss is not going to talk to you, the boss is not going to come talk to me. Because he knows that if he comes to me, it's going to be, you have allowed this girl who you've promoted to manager to do shit all. Now, if she can get more money 
to just stand here, fart and be on her phone all day, then I can do the exact same thing, except I would be embarrassed to be standing here farting up a storm with people walking by. It's just ridiculous. So I am just going to choose to just not work. And once he realized that's what was happening, he didn't even come talk to me. He just knew. He just knew. He's like, oh, work it snapped, work it snapped. And after that, he was on her. But he didn't want to be in the department with her too long because, again, she farts a lot. When she walks by, it travels with her. She could walk fast and it just stays in her clothes and it festers. So if she moves from one side of the building to the other side of the building, it's all there with her wherever she goes. You can just smell it regardless of where she is. She can fart and move and it moves with her. Anywho, he didn't really want to be around her too much because he couldn't deal with the constant smell and farting. So he just said what he needed to say and he walked away really fast just in case. Just in case she decides to go, he wants to at least be a few feet away by the time he hears that happening behind him. That's how bad it was. But I conditioned myself to accept the situation, even though I kept communicating that it wasn't right and I don't appreciate it, but I still kept doing it. So I had to take responsibility for the fact that I was giving too much empathy to somebody who was not respecting my needs. And so I had to do it back. And that was the anger. The anger was saying, bitch, get it together. You are not going to let this woman railroad you, railroad your emotions, put you in an emotional spin. You go home hangry. You go to work angry. No, it is time for you to give that shit right back to her. And that is what I did. I put my empathy aside and I went savage. I went savage. I even smiled to her face when I said, oh, you want me to do that? No problem. She comes in the next day and it's still a fucking mess. That's her problem, not mine. So that that part of being angry, I appreciate. I really do. Because if my anger had not come full force and decided to create an uncomfortable situation for this woman guess what? We would still be doing this for the next year or two until I had enough and quit, right? So why should I make my life more uncomfortable for how many years because of this farting woman? Why would I do that? So I am very thankful for my anger, for putting me in that situation where it was like, no, I'm not taking this shit. I'm not taking this shit. You're going to work or you have nothing. And if you fire me, you have to pay me. <laughs> so make up your mind. I love severances. You fire me, please fire me. Just pay me to leave, please. But uh, but yeah. So I I do I do now appreciate anger, and I do feel now rather than before that my anger was doing me a favor. It was really lighting a fire under my my ass and saying, change, change it now. Because if you won't, I will. And I love it. I love that bad bitch. When she comes out, I'm proud. And now I'm no longer ashamed of the feeling of anger. I understand now it's a tool to help motivate me, to help push me 
to get something done that I have been allowing to harm me emotionally, physically, and mentally. So that concludes this podcast episode. Thank you for supporting the Orchid Blooms podcast. Please subscribe, follow, and rate and leave a comment or a review on the podcast on any platform that you might be listening to it on. We also have social media pages, so don't forget to subscribe and follow. We have the Orchid Blooms YouTube channel on YouTube, of course. The Ambitious Obsession Network on Facebook, at the Ambitious Obs on Twitter, at the Ambitious Net on Instagram. Don't forget to share your favorite podcast episode with your family and your friends. And I hope you have a splendid day.